the new home of UTEP Miners football and UTEP men's basketball. The Orange Revival is on 600 ESPN El Paso. And welcome back, everybody. As we continue, it's more of the Don Haskins Show live uh, from the State Line Restaurant. And as promised right now, uh, one of our uh, real uh, special guests uh, joining us, NFL Hall of Famer, former New York Jet, and El Pasoan Don Maynard is here with us right now. Don, it's great to see you. How you doing? Well, I try to always say sensational, you know, because you either get better or you get worse, and I like to think I try to get better every day. Well, you look good. <laughs> you look like you could still play in the league well, right now. Well, you need to clean those glasses you got on there. Anyway. Um, my eyes have been surgically corrected. Maybe they, made a, maybe they made a mistake when they actually corrected my eyes. <laughs> yeah, they left a little. That's exactly. Do on there. How you been? Don, how, how's everything been for you? Well, uh, you know, as you get older, hopefully you get more wiser, and I've tried to become more mellow. Good. But the sad part is I, and I don't mean to talk on negatives, but I went to 13 schools growing up, five high schools, and moved around. I go to back about six reunions yeah. every four or five years, and, you know, even out here at uh, UTEP and it's 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 sad not to see some people that you you saw before, mm -hmm. but now time keep marching on and we lose. Last month I think I lost three of my close friends here in El Paso. Wow! So it get, kind of gets to you now and then. I hear you. Well, I'll tell you what. You're still looking good. I'm sure you're in great shape as always and uh, traveling a lot. You're all over the place between El Paso, Rio Doso, New York. Uh, you're logging in a lot of frequent flyer miles, that's for sure. Well, I, I get a little bit. Last week, uh, it's fortunate Mike Ditka has a great thing for the Hall of Fame guys up in, in Chicago. And mm -hmm. they put together uh, a big fundraising golf tournament that he has. And he tries to donate a big amount back to the dire need fund for a right. lot of the old guys that actually need some help well we didn't make the million dollars and all that the decimal was moved way over but there's still a lot of old guys that that need help it's a start that's for sure oh yeah well let's go back to the phones because on the lines with us right now is the bear don haskins and uh coach i'll tell you what we uh, we've got a pair of hall of famers with us right now you and uh, also uh, don maynard and uh how long has it been since you had a chance to see Don, Coach? Uh, I haven't seen Don in quite a while. The other day I was driving down Mesa Street, and uh, he was uh, going from his car into a store, and he looked like a rabbit. <laughs> and that kind of made me mad. Uh, Don is still in great shape. And uh, Don, one of the first things, I've, I've got a couple, three things I've been wondering for years and years and years. And... Uh, uh, when you were inducted in the uh, UTEP Hall of Fame, uh, uh, you you never even mentioned it. But uh, uh, how about that whole, you know, my son Steve played with you in a celebrity <laughs> tournament about a year ago, and he said you made a hole-in-one on number three, I think, on that long part three out at uh, uh, Sunrise. Bliss. Fort Bliss. Yeah, yeah Sunrise, Fort of course, at Fort Bliss. Yes, sir. Yeah. So did you make one or is he lying? No, it, uh, matter of fact, I got him to sign the card and two or three other people there to prove that it really did finally go on down there and go in the hole. And uh, Yeah, he said that you hit a shot right at the hole and that they were standing there saying, 
get in, get in, get, and it did. <laughs> yeah. And he, uh, he said that they were in the position. You know, a lot of times you make a hole and run, you can't see maybe a bit of a little rise or something. You can't see it. But, yeah. uh, hey, Don, uh, when I first came to this town, uh, you know, you were playing at the Jets, and I remember you come out in the, the spring and played uh, with the uh, X's, and uh, I wasn't aware of what kind of athlete you were until I, I watched you. But, uh, you know, the the year you all won the Super Bowl, you know, uh, I just wanted to ask you a couple of questions uh, about uh, talk to Tell me a little about Weeb Eubank. Well, Weeb, uh, he uh, had a great uh, coaching career. Prior to that, he'd coached the Baltimore Colts to the championship back in the 58 game against the Giants where I was a rookie. And uh, right. he coached United's and a lot of those great ball players. There's probably about six or seven from the Colts of that year that's in the Hall of Fame. And then over on my side, playing under Lombardi and Landry, there's probably about seven of those guys that are in the Hall of Fame. But um, we, I had to put him in three classifications. As a coach, I liked him about 95%. As a, <laughs> as a general manager, when you had to talk to him about his salary, well, I hated his guts. <laughs> and then as a human being over there, well, I loved him. So he wore three hats when I looked at him. He yeah. just whichever one he had on that day. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, Don, you know the thing, see, to me, that it's still, of all uh, the Super Bowls that I've ever watched, that was the most, there was more interest in that one than any that I can ever recall. Because if you'll remember, Joe Namath started telling everybody in the country that y'all were going to kick your butts, which you did. And I didn't really believe it. I thought, damn, and I was well aware of uh, how good you were and a lot of those players. But uh, what kind of a guy was Joe? Well, uh, to go back history just for a second there, the 58 sudden death game uh, really opened up a lot of information all to a lot of fans across the nation. And then 10 years later, we get in the Super Bowl and we're playing – the Colts and nationally Namath made the comment, and we've got all mad about it. Well, he made them all over the world. Well, he uh, the only thing about it, he, he believed it, didn't he? He, he, he backed them all up. <laughs> yes, he did. But Joe, I always tell people when you sum up Joe Namath, uh, if you think about his football ability and whatever you've seen and heard. Well, you can multiply it because he was even greater than a lot of people will ever really know or believe and then you look over on the other side and and uh, he got all kind of write-ups and stories written about his quote quote nightlife well yeah. we, we had two or three guys put well, him in, I, I in the shade what, as far as pantyhose go ahead pantyhose he wore that one time i'm, uh, I'm sorry pantyhose you don't remember not? oh yeah he he got Steve, all, you remember he, the pantyhose Oh, yeah, he, uh, I wore pantyhose before he even come in the pro ball, but I never got paid for it, and I never got the publicity. Uh, boy. But I cut out the feet back there when you dressed around the corner, nobody would see you, but I guarantee you what, they kept you warm in the cold weather. Yeah. Hey, uh, uh, 
Uh, Don, uh, you know, I went to a championship game one time. My guys are about as fired up as uh, uh, anybody I've ever seen. They were uh, flat. Nobody was really excited. What was it like? What What is it like in the dressing room of two teams fixing to play the greatest football, maybe the greatest football game of their life? Uh, was there tension? Uh, was there looseness? Well, the uh, the uh, the Jets in this particular ball game, we were representing the AFL, and uh, we were just glad to be there. At the same time, we had a great running attack with Snell and Boozer, as good as anybody in the league, and we had as good a passing attack with all Texas receivers and Namath and uh, first team that ever took all of them to an all-star game. And uh, we had the number one defense in the league and uh, had a great field goal kicker. So we had a complete balanced ball club. Who is your field goal kicker? Uh, Jim Turner Baker. from Utah. Who? Jim Turner from Utah. Turner, okay. And uh, we uh, we just went out there. We respected the Colts, but we weren't scared of them. And uh, so – uh, Lamons kept saying all week that, Weeb, if you don't quit showing us the film, we're going to get overconfident. <laughs> and then he said, if we're, we're going to win it. He, if he'd quit showing the, the films, what was that again? We'd, if you, if Weeb didn't quit showing us the film, we were going to get overconfident in the game. <laughs> and uh, Lamon said, I guarantee you, we, we're, we're going to beat the Colts. Well, everybody felt that way. And then Namath went out to a banquet one day and one night, and uh, some guy made a comment to him. And he said, he stood up and said, he guaranteed we're going we're gonna to beat the Colts. And naturally, whatever Joe said got all kind of publicity. And uh, that's the way it went. And, and, and the game went the way it did, and we yeah. came out on top. It's the Don Haskins Show, and our uh, special guest as we continue from the State Line Restaurant right now, former uh, Texas Western Miner and uh, NFL Hall of Famer, New York Jet Don Maynard, uh, joining us uh, mm. from uh, the State Line as we continue. Let me uh, go to the phones right now because I know, Larry, uh, you've been hanging tight uh, along with the Bear. Larry, uh, welcome to the show, and uh, thanks for waiting. Hey, thanks, guys. Well, I, I want to go into the stories about... Uh Haskins, because uh, we go back a long way. But I want everybody else to know about Don Maynard. The day that uh, he got on to uh, the uh, Hall of Fame. Uh, hello? Yes, Larry, go ahead. We're listening to you. Yeah, and that, uh, he walked into a restaurant, and he says, well, I don't know if I'm going to make it. Well, there's about 50 people there waiting for him. And he says, well, I guess I'll celebrate. I'll have nachos and a large iced tea. Well, that's Don. That's... Now, his other, his other claim to fame is at the Terry Bradshaw tournament, he was the first person I've ever seen in my life to come out there in shorts and a pair of white ostrich cowboy boots <laughs> with uh, uh, golf cleats in the bottom of them. Now, that's Don Maynard. Hey, Larry, people that don't know him. Go ahead, go, go ahead, Coach. I said, uh, he, uh, Don, every time I've ever seen him playing golf, it's in cowboy boots with cleats on the bottom. <laughs> I don't know about shorts. 
Well, first off, give me the story behind the uh, cowboy boots and cleats. Uh, when did that start? Well, I, I've just always wore boots all my life, and I'm the guy that always took the heels off and got it down there real low like a walking shoe. So my, my boots were just like shoes, but they had tops on them. But uh, I, I just wore them, and then all of a sudden I started wearing this flag outfit, yeah. uh, a flag, and I got a, I've been doing it about 25 years plus in uh, flag shirts. I've down to my last one. I've had about seven, and then I wear red shorts, and then I wear white boots. And and they used to have tassels on the front. See, the guys used to say he looks like a majorette. And I said, well, you know, just get up there and putt, and we'll all out putt you. But anyway, it uh, that was my trademark, and it kind of still is. And and if and uh, if I've won one time for the best-dressed golfer, I've won it many, many times. So uh, I'm real proud. But the main thing was my flag shirt and, and the patriotic part that I feel about this country. Larry, anything else you want to say to uh, to both Dons who are uh, here both, on the show? Both Dons have been good friends of mine for a 1,000 years, and uh, God bless them both. All right, there you I'll go. I'll see you guys. Same, same to you. Great to hey, hear from uh, you, Larry. Uh, uh, Steve, we got one more question for Don. This is a big one. Go right ahead. All right. Now, if he's got a belt on uh, uh, with a cowboy belt buckle, it's got number thirteen on it. Is uh, uh, I don't know what he wore here at Texas Western. Don was at thirteen, but I know he wore thirteen. I know his house. His phone number was like thirteen thirteen. Don. Uh, you know, it's supposed to be an unlucky number. It never was for you. Well, it's been great for me. Uh, it started back when I was at, uh, matter of fact, I'll throw a quick comment. My my dad also lived at Headley, Texas, running the cotton gin before you ever moved there. But that's You're another kidding. story. I didn't know that. But um, I played six-man football. There's only about ten guys on the team when I was a freshman, and I was barely out there and. And uh, on the kickoff, the first game, one of the guys got his leg broke, and nobody else would take the number 13. So I took it as a challenge and gave them my number. And and uh, then I got to figuring all the other 13s that came about later. My sister was born on the 13th, my dad on the 13th. My brother had two 13s in his serial number. M is the 13th letter of the alphabet. And as mother calls me Donald Maynard, that's 13 letters. And then, then I married a, a, a majorette uh, from Austin High School out here, and she was born on the 13th. And her her first name and last name, uh, they made 13 letters, and her first name started with an M, Marilyn, as my sis, as sister was. And, and then we played the Super Bowl in the 13th month of the year, and uh, the victory was the 13th of the year. So I got well, all I'll kind of down. 13s that... Well, my box number's got a 13 in it, and, and then my phone number on the east side when I lived was 1300 and 1313, and over here it's 1300, and then my sales 1313. So I'd go on here for a long time, but I don't this think we got most, enough time. This is the most incredible thing I've ever heard. Hey, I, I, Don, I've wondered about that for years because <laughs> I knew that uh, one time I saw you in your belt buckle said 13. And I saw you drive off, and I don't know how you got on your tags 
seemed like it was a 13-13 or something like that. Well, that's right. But, uh, the cause of that back then, see, uh, Mrs. Chenault worked down at the driver license place down in uh, license plate downtown. So Chenault, he, we, we got all our numbers. You know, Whittington had his, and I had 13, and everybody that had a car. Well, what was Whittington's number? Uh, 44. Well, okay. And, uh, you know, guys got different ones. Like, say, Dick Chenault's mom was was uh, kind of the cause of all of that in a way because she got a couple of guys, and anytime one guy gets something, everybody else wants one like it. So, before you know hey, it, half the hey, guys Donna, on the team. Uh, tell, tell us about, now, what was your, sen- your senior year, y'all won the Border Conference or junior year, or was it? Well, we... But, uh, but there was Arizona, Arizona State. Well, Well, I'll tell you what, let's do this. Coach, I hear the music. It means we're wrapping up the first hour. You want to uh, stick around and we'll keep doing this in the second hour of the show? Yeah, I'd love talking to Don Maynard. We're not going to stop at all, folks. But I tell you what, we are going to have a very special guest, uh, Don. We've got Shannon here with us, and she's going to tell us about Minor Palooza coming up tomorrow night before the first UTEP home game. But uh, you want to stick around and uh, join us in the second hour? Don Maynard will be sticking around. The Bear will be sticking around. We are live. Come on down to the State Line Restaurant. It's legendary barbecue, 1222 Sunland Park Drive. You could win Miners New Mexico tickets as our number two of the Don Haskins Show continues live and only on News Radio. It's AM 600 KROD. The new home of UTEP Miners football and UTEP men's basketball. The Orange Revival is on 600 ESPN El Paso. Seven nineteen, the time as we continue 41 minutes left to go here come on down and join us we're out on the patio we are uh, giving away tickets to the miners want to welcome back the bear to the show and uh, coach we just had a chance to um hey uh, uh steve after listening to that uh, even though i don't feel very good ribs sound pretty good well yes well let's, <laughs> let's just say this get back soon and then you'll be uh, digging into those ribs that's for sure coach what were your thoughts, uh, by the way? Minor Palooza's tomorrow, and Shannon just told us they're expecting 20,000 people for Minor Palooza. How incredible is that? You're kidding. 20,000. Nope. 20,000. And uh, uh, that's tomorrow at uh, where, uh, the stadium? Yep, that's uh, right there, Hawthorne and uh, University Avenue at the heart of the campus. So that's uh, going to be the, uh, one of the greatest parties Good of the year. night. That's unbelievable. It really is. Hey, meanwhile... Um, Coach, uh, you were uh, getting into a pretty uh, good set of questions for Don Maynard. I wish I could play back the question about the number 13 because when we stopped at the uh, bottom of the hour, or at the top of the hour, I should say, there were more number 13s. (laughs) But that would take us the next 40 minutes of the show to really finish all that off. Well, I I tell you what, it it always amazed me that uh, uh, when I saw Don, you know, he had 13 on his belt buckle, 13 on his car. Uh, his number, uh, you know, somebody had told me it was 13, uh, whatever the prefix, 1313. House number was 1300 or uh, something. You were 13. And uh, that's supposed to be an unlucky number, but it sure as heck wasn't for him. <laughs> he was a great football player. And one of the other questions I wanted to ask, uh, I used to hear stories. You know, uh, he never, they never mentioned him running track, but uh, he ran, uh, 
9697 in the 100. Are you aware of that? That's what kind of wide receiver he was. Incredible speed. And, Don, did you have as much fun running track as you did playing football? Oh, I, uh, I enjoyed track because that's what I had done moving around in high school. I only played football really one year in high school, but uh, I went out for track in college and, uh, to so I wouldn't have to go through spring training football. You know, I, uh, <laughs> and then one year Brumlow changed the entire o offense over, and so I was playing spring training football, and then I'd go run track or work out for track the same day twice, you know. So, boy, that was a tough off season. <laughs> hey, uh, Steve, that's Don. Now, see, I used to hear when I first got here in the early 60s uh, from Ben Collins and uh, some of the coaches up there, he played, I think your head coach, Don, was uh, uh, Mike Brumblow. Right. And, yes. uh, boy, he was a character, wasn't he, and a heck of a coach. Well, Mike Brum Brumlow, as I l learned later, people uh, talked about Vince Lombardi. I said, well, I already had a Vince Lombardi, and his name was Mike Brumlow. <laughs> and uh, so that uh, Mike br believed in the defense and, uh, and uh, j just a great, great coach. And the, the year in 56 when we had the great team, uh, the most points that was scored against us in, in a game was, uh, I think, 13. And uh, we had four or five shutouts against. We had one of the top defenses in well, the nation. Hey, Dunn, who was in that old border conference? I know Arizona and Arizona State were. Well, Texas Tech. Texas New, Tech. New Mexico University. Tech, right. New Mexico A&M, West Texas, and Hardin-Simmons back then. So it, it was Boy, a tough that, conference. I'll tell you what, now, you're talking about a league now that's uh, Big 12 and uh, uh, Atlantic uh, uh, and the, the Atlantic uh, Pac-10. Uh, Pac-10 with, with Arizona and, New, and Arizona New State. New Mexico right. is in the Mountain West. Yeah, they've all changed around and now as, because as, of the money. If and I TV. remember right, now Harden Simmons, now that was where the great quarterback played. What was his name? How can I forget it? Well, Ken Ford and Sammy Ball was the head coach Sammy down Ball, there. Sammy Ball, right. They were the coaches? Uh, well, Sammy Ball was the coach. And uh, he had a great quarterback, Ken Ford. And uh, Harden-Simmons' team would play Ole Miss, and they'd play uh, LSU. And I know L LSU once was ranked topped in the nation, and they barely beat Harden-Simmons 13-7. to But Harden-Simmons only had about 30 guys on the ball club, kind of like Texas Western at that time. And down in the fourth quarter, when you're playing both ways, you kind of run out of players, and LSU finally beat them, and Ole Miss did also that year. I'll be damned. <laughs> well, the, uh, uh, did you do anything besides run the 100 and track? Well, I know, I know you'd run the uh, sprint relays. Well, really, I never considered myself a sprinter. I was a hurdler guy. I won the state of Texas a couple well, of years. Well, you run 9697 in the 100. Well, I still I, I I I ran the hurdles. I won the conference a couple of years in the high and low hurdles, and I still didn't consider myself a sprinter uh, on the hundred because I didn't have that good a start, even though I ran a nine six. But the the one I'm proud of, I uh, chased Merle Wackabar 
he ran a 20.5-220 in the border conference. But a great story that I tell a lot of people is we was in the college class back then, and uh, we ran against Abilene Christian. And they had the great sprinter Bobby Morrow. And he won oh, the, yeah, I remember he, him. He, he won, won the, the Olympic 100-yard uh, dash. Right, the 100, the 220, he won 100 and 220. on the relay. And and uh, I anchored the, our sprint relay team, and, and I chased Bobby Morrow for three years. And I told, I used to tell people I knew Bobby Morrow's rear end better <laughs> than his wife did. <laughs> <laughs> you know, uh, Don, uh, I was at Dumas, Texas for one year. And uh, at our sports banquet, banquet that year, they had Bobby Morrow as a speaker. He'd won the Olympics and he was a great speaker. He told, uh, you know, it was it was unbelievable how he painted a picture of being in the blocks and seeing the fleecy clouds or this or that. You know, it, uh, he was it, it, it was real inspirational. I enjoyed it. So I got to hear that guy talk. Oh, he was a great one. Well. As we continue here uh, with uh, Don Maynard on the Don Haskins Show, 727 the time, 880-5763, 880-KROD. When uh, you were playing in the 60s and you would uh, come back uh, during the offseason, you get an opportunity to uh, to watch your alma mater and, and Coach Haskins play some basketball? Oh, yeah. You know, uh, football was the same time, naturally. And so I, when I'd come back, I enjoyed all the basketball games and, and uh, you know, later even the track events, you know, went on. But so... We uh, we always attended all the ball games as many as we could, you know, and uh, enjoyed them all. How'd you enjoy Memorial Gym? What was that like for you as a as, as a spectator? <laughs> well, that that was a small one, you know. All they they got as many as they could get in there, and then there wasn't room for anybody else. But there was always a full full house at uh, all of those games. You ever see uh, Coach Haskins get uh, teed up? Any uh, technicals during oh, your days? Oh, a few times, you know. That's he, not fair, Steve. He, he probably <laughs> he probably got some stripes on his on his sleeve for the number of times that he had to leave the game early. <laughs> <laughs> well, all I know is this right now, guys. The two of you keep up with UTEP sports, and uh, Don, you still chart. Uh, college and NFL games, which I find uh, fascinating. Every game you attend or watch, you are always uh, charting, uh, charting plays and charting games. Well, it's it's an interesting. It makes it more enjoyable, kind of for me. But it also uh, points out exactly what, say, uh, the coaches are doing during the game. And uh, I don't second guess any coach or quarterback. But I I wish they all in the nation. I'm sitting in the stands. And when it's third down and 10, I can call better plays than half the coaches in America. Because when it's third and 10, if you don't throw it for 12, you ain't going to make a first down. You're going to have to punt. But they throw it for two yards and three and four and five. And like I say, if, you, if you're not going to go for it, you might as well punt on third down. <laughs> Coach? Hey, I, yes, go I got to put down on the uh, – uh, got to – Put him on the carpet here just for a second. All right. What does he think? Now, he'll be at the ball game Saturday night along with myself. And, uh, Don, what do you think? Uh, you know, have you been out to watch your minors? Oh, yeah, several times. Have you? Well, uh, tell us what you think about uh, this team. 
Well, and, and tell us who's going to win that game and by how much. Well, it's uh, you got a real enthusiastic group. Uh, ever since Coach Price has come here and his his complete staff and all, you got a complete turnaround, and also with the with the uh, fans uh, of the city and more supportive all the way through. And the players are naturally with his direction and his attitude and all. He t he handles all the discipline things himself, and boom, they're they're in house. And uh, he's just got a great organization, and uh, the guys are hopefully uh, they'll do real good. Uh, I've always said it all depends on mistakes and turnovers a little bit, but I still go back to one comment. It'll, it'll depend on not just UTEP, but anywhere in the nation. It all depends on what they do on third down and ten as what their maybe winning record will come out and be. Why do you think so many teams, like you mentioned, throw for short yardage on third and long and, and expect to get yards after the catch instead of um, just uh, throwing the football uh, down the field and, and, and trying to uh, you know, go for more yardage than, than what you actually need? Well, I, I really hadn't figured it out yet because let's take what you can do on third down. First, I'll, I'll do the first one. Let's say it's third and ten. You throw it for ten yards, okay. If you, It'll succeed 90% of the time. If you got a 30% passer that day, well, then it'll succeed 30% of that. Mm -hmm. If you got a passer that's throwing for 50% of completions, then you're going to succeed 50%. But you may have a quarterback that's hitting it real good on 70% that particular play. But now you'll succeed by whatever percent the quarterback is completing the passes. But let's look over to the other side. What can you do on third down with the ball? Okay, if you run the ball, it fails. 90% of the time. If you run a draw, it fails 90% of the time. If you throw a pass for less yardage than you need, it fails 90% of the time. If you run a reverse, it fails 90% of the time. If you throw a screen pass, it fails 90% of the time. So why even attempt anything less than 10 yards? It blows my mind. Coach, you have any thoughts on that analysis? No, I'll tell you what, I'm listening and learning I got uh, 50 years the, uh, of those those uh, figures. <laughs> <laughs> when did uh, when did teams start to uh, to get away from that strategy? I'm sure when you played. Tell me, did you ever have a third down with the Jets, third and long, where Namath did not throw the ball past the what what the necessary time you needed for a first down? You know, I'm glad you asked that because not one time in Namath's career did he ever attempt to pass for less yardage than you needed for a first down. And then one other situation is, if you needed a touchdown, he put the ball in the end zone. You probably remember about four or five years ago when the Carolina team or somebody down there yeah. caught the ball on about the five-yard line or four or three, and he's trying to reach way out there mm -hmm. and score. Well, if he'd have thrown it the right distance and or the guy run the right depth, then they would have gotten in the playoffs. But it, it blows my mind. I don't know what they're thinking about. <laughs> I, I don't know either. It, it's, uh, it just shows you how the games have changed. Coach, yeah. I'm sure you've seen the same changes in basketball, and there are probably some styles of play now that blow your mind, and you wonder why are they doing it this way as opposed to not going back to what has worked for so many years in well, an occasion. Uh, you know, uh, Steve, <clears throat> uh, I coached for a long time, and, 
and uh, played in the early years when, uh, uh, you know, low scoring was not a popular thing. But any team that uh, gets uh, back on defense Mm -hmm. and can find their man and not give up layups, uh, you're you're cutting. You know, I'm watching these uh, FIBA games and – uh, that like the United States against everybody they're playing against, they're scoring 125, 130. Half of them are layups. Half of them. Yeah. Half those points. The other night, I quit counting because uh, uh, they're layups and threes. And, you know, people are running with their back uh, to the ball. And uh, when the ball goes on the board against a team like the U.S., uh, you're not going to rebound it. Nope. Uh, if you do get it, it'll be uh, dimes going through those percentages, and uh, uh, it'll be a low, low percentage. So why not get back against the U.S.? I'm not sure. I wouldn't get three back. I might get five back. Yeah. And Easy. at least make them shoot the ball. 880-5763-880-KRD. As we continue with uh, Don Maynard, our guest uh, this hour, along with uh, Coach Askins, let me welcome Mike from the east side of town. Mike, uh, you're on with uh, both Dons uh, this evening. Thanks for the call. Hey, how are you doing today? Uh, My comment was to Mr. Haskins, of course, for the first time ever. I kind of have to disagree with his uh, third down and long theory there. You You also have to take into consideration on what the situation is, what side of the line are they? If they force uh, third and long, they force an interception maybe, and maybe real bad field position, they give the ball away. If they want to give their punter more room to kick it, then they go for the short distance. you got to look at that situation, not just always going for the glory, you know? What do you think, uh, Don Maynard? What do you think about that? Well, the situation's not going to change. It's third and ten, correct? It's true. Okay, well, there ain't another, any other situation that you're looking at. If it's field position. To, beg your pardon? Field position. Field position? Yeah, what if you're on your own 10-yard line, it's 13-10. If you throw it up and risk an interception, they're right there in the end zone. They can run it back for a touchdown. Well, uh, if you think you're going to throw it up for an interception, then you might ought to be using somebody else. Let me give you a comment about throwing the ball. I played with over 25 professional quarterbacks in pro ball. And if you know what you're doing, you're not going to have an interception. Namath and the four great receivers from the state of Texas, we had one busted play in nine years. So if you know what you're doing ahead of time and you coach your passing game like I would, you're not going to make any mistakes and you're not going to throw an interception. The I'll, I'll tell you something that will – what you what you do with a quarterback occasionally, not occasionally, but it depends on how you want to do it. Yeah. I played under nine head coaches, 42 assistants, and none of them taught me what I'm fixing to tell you. If you teach a quarterback to read the defender, in other words, the let's say the linebacker on a hook pass, you teach a quarterback to read the linebacker, whatever he does, and he's watching him, then you do the opposite. For example, your receiver's going down, he's going to hook in. But if the linebacker is sitting in there 
then he just hooks and stays out there, and you, I can put the ball in my left hand and throw it, and it'll be a completion. So if you know what you're doing, then you're not going to have an interception. Maybe the hardest part, Mike, is that nowadays a lot of quarterbacks that play in this league can't read defenses like they used to, and a lot of these guys go on their ability more than they do sometimes their smarts on the field. Yeah, you see it a lot in this game all the time, especially yeah. with the young quarterbacks starting up, like the Steve Smiths, you know, uh, the Eli Mannings. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right, Mike, good call. Appreciate the question uh, for, uh, for Don Maynard, and, and thanks for getting in today. 880-5763, 880-CARRITY. But I really believe that, that nowadays quarterbacks and uh, just in general, coaches, they, they look at it differently, and I don't know if quarterbacks today see things and pick things up the way they did 30, 40 years ago. And I'm not saying they're not bright. I'm saying that, to me, they're growing up around the game in a different way, and they're not being taught properly certain things that could make them more successful as players. Steve, let me give uh, all your fans out there uh, uh, a, uh, some information. In the NFC, you got 116 coaches that's never played pro ball. In the AFC, you got 126 coaches that's never played pro ball. Also, you got 64 coaches in the NFL that never even played college football. So now you know why the knowledge of football has gone downhill. And if you don't have the knowledge of a lot of the great, great pro ball players, there's way I, ways I ran routes and the way we did things in the passing game that um, they, they don't even do now. They don't even know how. Players will always need coaching. And some coaches may not take this the right way, but what you really need to do in, in pro football is teach the coaches because a lot of them don't even know what's going on. I had a coach one time tell me I went down and did a post route, and I, went, I just ran by the guy. Name, I said, we'll call it choice, Namath. He just threw it. And I went by and went 67 yards for a touchdown. But in the film, the next Monday, the coach told me to go down, plant my foot over here to the right, and then break back. I said, why, coach? They only give you six points for a touchdown. <laughs> why waste a fake when you don't need it, see? So there's a lot of things out in the game today that a lot of people aren't aware of. Mm -hmm. And there's a few guys sitting in the stand that knows more football than some of the ones on the field. Coach, you still with us? <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm listening. Uh, you know, uh, I don't know where Don got the stats on, uh, uh, you know, like his assistant coaches and head coaches. And, uh, Out of uh, Don, I I'm right with you. I don't. Okay. Well, there's some guys. You know, I've watched college football. Uh, professional football for years. I, I, I think I'd like to watch it on TV more than uh, more than basketball. And uh, there are so many guys like uh, I'm not saying he was a bad coach, but Chan Gailey, who's with the uh, uh, I, I just have a feeling he never played. And and uh, you know I've known some great basketball coaches. Uh, Ed Hickey, way back when at St. Louis, never never played in college. And, you know, become a great coach, and I think that can happen. But i got a feeling, Don, how many did you say in the NFC? Uh, 
uh, assistance hadn't uh, played? Well, uh, okay, first let me answer the uh, other question you had there. Uh, where I got all this information is out, out of the league's book. In other words, it's got all the stories about every coach that, that coaches on any team in the AFL or the NFL. Okay, in the NFC, there's 116 coaches. Now, I'm talking about head coaches also that's never played pro football. That's interesting. 116. In the AFC, there's 126. But get over here to this other deal. There's 64 coaches that never even played pro ball. So how do you expect the uh, guys out there coaching going to try to tell me how to do something? I forgot more football. One time is out here at UTEP years ago. I made a statement to a guy. I said, I know more football than the entire staff knows out here. And uh, that's, you know, I, I didn't get a coaching job, but uh, the first thing I remember is when the coach came in, he started working them out three times a day. I said, the guy will never, never win. And he, and he only won about five games and lost about 45 games in five yeah, years. Yeah, uh, I'll, I'll <laughs> wonder uh, uh, why you didn't get in coaching somewhere. I'm, I, I feel certain you could get back in the NFL but uh, you'd have been a great coach. Well, thank you, Coach. But let me let me explain something else. You got so many people that are jealous of other people, see. And then when I came back and I wound up, and I coached in the World Foot Football League, I put in the passing offense, coached the quarterbacks and receivers, and we ran a wide receiver offense. I didn't even have a tight end. That's why. Who was that for, Don? Steam, steam uh, Shreveport Steamers. And, uh, steamer. and I guarantee okay. you, we could we could score, but we just d didn't have the defense to hold them yeah. down. And I'll, I'll bring this in, uh, bring this into just knowledge, if I may, real quick. Sure. Bill Walsh was a great friend of mine, and and all. And he coached my son when he went out to the 49ers. But in 1985, he became head coach, and he coached what they call the West Coast offense. That was in 1985. Well, 25 years before that, Sil Gilman of the San Diego Chargers ran the West Coast offense. They just didn't call it that. The New York Jets ran it in 1965, and I say this because Snell was the fullback. And in his first three years, he caught he was in the top ten not only as a rusher, a great fullback, but he was in the top ten as a receiver. He caught more passes than I did. So we ran the West Coast offense, but we didn't call it the West, West Coast offense. We just called it the spread formation. And you got all these names that changed back in 1935, Matty Bell at SMU and, and Dutch Meyer at TCU. They call it the double wing or the spread offense. And then you got a guy over here at Ballinger, Bavard, Bavard or something, that called it the belly series. Well, back then, they, they called it the wish, they called, named it today, they called it the wishbone. Yeah. Like a wishbone. But back then, they called it the Y, W-Y-E. So everybody gets all kind of publicity, but some stuff, it's already gone on for years. People just don't know how certain things originated. Uh, Guys, done, uh, let's, let's do this. Coach, I'm going to get you back in a second. got to take a break. I'm long overdue, and then we'll come back and wrap things up, all right? Thank you. You bet.
It's the Don Haskins Show. Thank you, Coach. We're back with uh, Don Maynard and uh, Coach Haskins in just a moment, live from the State Line Restaurant and only on News Radio, AM 600 KROD. The new home of UTEP Miners football and UTEP men's basketball, the Orange Revival, is on 600 ESPN El Paso. D. We continue from the State Line Restaurant. Two weeks uh, with the Bear and the Don Haskins Show. Coach, uh, I want to thank you for spending so much time uh, joining us on the phones today, and I know you could make it out here, but hey, it's been great uh, having Steve, you. Uh, uh, talking to Don Maynard, it was delightful. And I don't, th- I don't know if you got time for me to say this, but what he was saying ab- about the West Coast offense is like uh, what they call the motion offense today. Uh, we were doing that in the early 50s, and they called it the passing game. <laughs> and Bob Knight, Dean Smith, all of them learned that at Air Force Academy in uh, 1971. Well, they, you know, they they all did it to a certain degree. It's just where somebody came up with some terminology. Now they 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 changed the name, and uh, you know everybody that runs motion offense might run it a little different, but it's still the same thing. It was. Uh, uh, the passing game that Oklahoma A&M, Oklahoma State ran for years. Right. No, I agree with you 100%. Uh, Don, I know you were going to mention something that was kind of interesting. Uh, quickly elaborating on that passing game, you were mentioning something out of the shotgun. Well, just a, moment ago. Uh, a few years back, uh, UTEP went up to uh, New Mexico University and play. And uh, the quarterback got sacked like about 13 times. And uh, I've never, off, I've never suggested or butted into any program or anything else out at UTEP. But I went in and I, I talked to Mr. Nord and I said, Coach, I'd be glad to help you or answer you a couple of things, things for your passing game. I said, you know, for a quarterback to get sacked 11 or 13 times blows my mind. And I said, I can sit back there 10, 12 yards in the shotgun on third down and I will let your lineman go get a hamburger. And there ain't nobody on the defense that can get to me before I throw the ball if you know how to run your passing game. I said, I just thought I'd mention that because, you know, you may get a quarterback killed. And years ago, <laughs> and I, I, when Aikman came to Dallas, I met him down there at, at Dale Hanson's um, uh, uh, charity deal. Yeah. And I, I didn't introduce myself, but I just went up to him and I said, Aikman, I, I said, you're great. I like the way you do things and all that. But I said, don't you dare listen to any of them coaches down there <laughs> when they tell you how far to get back. I said, you get your rear end back there about 12 yards, no less than 12, just like a guy named Namath, and then you throw it. You don't wait for any time. You just hit that 12-yard mark and you throw it and you'll get to live a long time in the NFL. If you don't, somebody's going to kill you. (laughs) Good advice. Coach, I'm out of time. Uh, Great show. Hey, I want to – Don, thank you very much for coming on. Thank you. I've enjoyed it. Yeah, thank you. I've learned a lot tonight. Enjoy some of the things I was saying. Yeah, it was great stuff. Don Maynard, pleasure seeing you again, and thanks so much for uh, for being here tonight on the show. Thank you. All right, want to thank also uh, my other guests, Norma De La Rosa, Lee Nelson, Margie Bricky, all from the UTEP Alumni Association. Also want to thank uh, 
Shannon Osborne, who uh, was able to tell us about Minor Palooza. My thanks to Sergio Robili and, uh, of course, uh, Andrew Layton. I'm Steve Kaplowitz. You've been listening to The Don Haskins Show live from the Stateline Restaurant.